you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about the All-Star Game in which Celtics will be headed to Los Angeles for the festivities, plus our own take on Marcus Smart's off-the-court injury and what it could mean with the trade deadline looming. I'm Topher Lane, here with Luis Gonzalez. Luis, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad because the last two podcasts, I've been spewing this this stuff about the ringer curse and, and what it could mean for the Seas. I'm glad that we at least temporarily broke the curse in that we uh, we won against the Clippers. But, you know, we're still having one of our worst months of the season as the Celtics. So it's it's been tough. And then last night's game, the Golden State game, was a great game. But still, it's always tough to see, you know, after a performance like that, to see a team come away with, with an L. I mean, I think people were predicting... I don't want to say, well, I think before the season and as the season was going on, that this would probably be one of the toughest stretches for them. I mean, they're on the West Coast for, what is it, three, four games at least, I think. So whenever a team is going across the country to another coast, they're going to have some trouble. Um, But yeah, it was good to get that win against the Clippers. It was horrible to lose to the Lakers for two reasons. Number one... It's the Lakers, and they're not the best team this year. But two, you know, we we need them to be good, but not too bad, uh, so that we get their draft pick. But either way, it kind of sucked that we lost to them. Yeah. And the Golden State game was a great game, and I don't, I don't even know if I count it as a loss. Honestly, I know it's kind of, it may even be cliche to say that, but it was such a good game, and. We saw Kyrie and Steph basically go off against one another. Uh, But I really think that had Marcus Smart been healthy, and we'll talk about that later, had he been healthy, we probably would have pulled off the win. And I say that because we would have had someone who could have gotten into Steph's face and covered him a little better than Shane. I mean, Shane Larkin did a, I think he did a decent job. He did the best he could. He you know, he has a height. He's at a disadvantage height-wise. Yeah, well... I don't think he's as fast as Steph off the ball. Tatum got a um, lot of minutes guarding Steph as well. And yeah. the, the thing is, that I was, I was pleased with how Tatum played defense against him. I think he got a hand in his face every time. But Steph is just too good. Like, I mean, he just couldn't be stopped. I mean, he was just... He, he was making unreal shots all around. And, you know, it just made it... Even though there was good defense, it was better offense from Stephen Curry. And that's why he's the you know, two-time MVP. It's because he's just such a phenomenal player. And you know he can do those, those unreal performances. He can have those unreal performances and, and, and really you know, just, just bring it up to the next level where you, know, you put a rookie on him and, and a guy like Shane Larkin on him. He's going to take advantage of that every time. So that's what you saw. But no, I, I agree. It was, it was a good performance from everybody. Um, yeah, you know, Tatum struggled offensively, but I think that he jump started the offense in the fourth quarter. He and Jalen Brown really you know, brought the team back from the brink when they were trailing by as many as ten in the third quarter, and that was big. But I, I want to jump into this smart conversation because you and I went back and forth earlier in the week, and we kind of got to this point. Do you do you have any kind of speculations of how he hurt his hand? We'll kind of start there. I mean. <laughs> It seems pretty obvious to me that after the Laker game, he was pretty upset. I think he got a lot of heat from the media and fans on Twitter and, you know, just like on TV, SportsCenter, NBC, you name it, about him taking the last shot as opposed to, I think Terry Rozier was the one who was most open on that final play and he would have been able to drive the ball. Um, to at least tie the game, um, but it seems like he just—he was kind of playing hero ball, and he was frustrated that the ball just barely rimmed out, and the emotions got the best of him, and he punched something. I know he said that he swiped at a picture frame or something like that, but I'm pretty sure he like punched a glass or something like that because his his arm is in a sling. Yeah. So it's not like 
they just put some bandages on him and that was it. Like it, it must've been bad enough that he probably got, or got cuts on his hand and on, and on his forearm, forearm, I'm assuming. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm going to, I agree that that's kind of generally what happened. There, there's some other speculations out there, but I, I don't think there was, I think the, the biggest issue was emotions after this loss when he couldn't hit that shot. But I do want to go back to that play because watching the replay, Terry Rozier was open for a fraction of a second and Smart just missed him. But there there were not a lot of options with that amount of time left. I don't mind that he took that shot. I mean, I, I wish that it was in someone else's hands, but no timeouts. There's you know, There was only a split second when Terry Rozier was the only guy open. Otherwise, the defense did a good job. The Lakers did a good job taking away Smart's options. And I think all things considered, it was a pretty decent shot. And obviously, it was it was a damn close shot, considering it just rimmed out. But, you know, I, I just, I think that people were being too hard on him. I, I think looking back at the play, it, it's not fair to be that frustrated with him. But I, I do agree with you that those emotions and, and the anger and obviously Twitter and just the, the chaos that can happen there probably did get the best of him. And that's what led to him and you know, trying to punch through a wall or a picture frame or whatever he ended up doing. So this led to our conversation, which I got pretty heated about where you said, I guess, what, what do you think this does to Marcus Smart's trade possibility as a, as a piece <laughs> of trade? And I, I want you to quote yourself because I wonder if you backtracked on that since I've, I've talked to you. Yeah. So you were, I think you were pretty upset when I brought this up, but okay. First and foremost, I love Marcus Smart. I think he's great. I tell Preston. Come on. <laughs> I I think he's a very I would say he's probably the the third most important piece on our team behind Kyrie and I would say probably Al Horford and then Jason Tatum is a Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are a close. You're talking healthy team, right? Like you're you're not including Gordon Hayward. Yeah, yeah. So right now. Okay. All right, cool. He's extremely important. Sure, you can talk about how he doesn't shoot the ball well or he's very inconsistent and maybe he takes ill-advised shots a lot of the times, you know, uh, whatever. There are a lot of criticisms about his game. At the same time, his defensive intensity is unmatched on this team. Well, I think Terry Rozier, he, he's definitely rubbed off a lot on Terry Rozier because you can see a lot of Mark, a lot of Marcus Smart in Terry Rozier. Uh, but all basically what I'm getting to is I don't want him to be traded ever. I want him to be a Celtic for life. The chances of that happening are probably pretty slim. But taking into consideration the fact that they haven't re-upped on his contract. This incident, you know, his shooting woes, whatever, whatever. Maybe the Celtics may be inclined to trade him. I have no idea how other teams across the NBA perceive Marcus Smart. Do they see him as just a guy that can't shoot the ball but can defend well? Do they see him as maybe we just need him to take us over the hump? I don't know. So it's hard to say. You were were confident. You said, I mean, you said that this ups his chances to, and I'm not going to put a number on it, but but you said that based on the number that you were giving me, you, you were indicating that it's very likely that this guy gets traded. I said 70%. You said 70%. Yeah, you said 70% (laughs) chance that Marcus Smart gets traded now because of this hand injury. So I guess the the numbers on it is that he's going to be sidelined for two weeks. That's what the, at least the prognosis is right now. Why do you think 70%? Have you backtracked from that slightly? Or are you still like convinced that there's, there's a very good chance that he gets traded? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I'll put that number at 55%. 55. 
Jeez. All right. Okay. So fifty percent. Explain why. Why? Why do you think? Because because the shooting and and the emotions and stuff. What makes you think that this is suddenly that now is the time that Danny Ainge is going to pull the trigger and trade Marcus Smart? Maybe overreaction. I, I think I really think that 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 what that's what it would be if they do trade him. It would be. Basically, for two reasons: overreaction to this injury and starting to and starting to question his, uh, I don't know, his strength, personality-wise, and his ability to kind of just fight through adversity. His resolve. His resolve. There you go. And the fact that he'll be a. Uh, Will he be a free agent outright or a restricted free agent after the season is over? I believe he'll be a restricted free agent. Okay. But, so, a combination uh, of those two things. So, and my my belief is that, I mean, obviously when Danny Ainge is the GM, everybody has at least some percentage chance of being traded. That's just kind of the way that it is with, with Danny Ainge at the head of the front office. Uh, I would not put anybody on this current roster, if we're putting percentage chance of being traded, I wouldn't put anybody above 25%. I wouldn't say that anybody right now is likely to be traded by Danny Ainge himself. I think he's very happy with what he has, considering that our title chances were stripped away in the first five minutes of the season with Gordon Hayward going down with that ankle injury. And that the Celtics are still the number one team in the Eastern Conference. I would say that the concern about re-signing Marcus Smart is that there's going to have to be a negotiation and that Marcus Smart probably deserves a lot more than what the Celtics are going to want to give him. And whether he finds that elsewhere, I'm not sure. And in my discussion with you regarding this, I, I indicated that I think that if these emotions are such a catastrophic portrayal of how Marcus Smart conducts himself off the court and when he's not playing basketball and the fact that he does clearly have some issues on the court as well but that's something that makes his personality it's something that makes the Celtics personality of this scrappy team and he's described as this junkyard dog by Brian Scalabrini and like you've got this this personality that Marcus Smart embodies that so much shows what the Celtics are and what they fight for on a nightly basis I do not think that Danny Ainge wants to trade that because of what it brings to the court. I mean, he was shooting 0 for 11 and still had the best plus minus on the court through the first, like, 20 games of the season. It was unreal. Like, his shooting doesn't matter. It's the defensive winning plays that he makes through the entire 48 minutes of regulation, and then especially during overtime if he's not fouled out. So, I, you know, I, I have no reason to believe that Danny Ainge is going to want to trade him. And if if these emotions are so so big that people won't be able to, to deal with it, why does that make him more valuable as a trade asset? If anything, he loses value, and Danny Ainge will get less for Marcus Smart if this is seriously such an issue that, that teams are going to say, no, no, this guy's got it. There's a chance he might punch picture frame and be out for two weeks. We need him in, in crunch time. We need him to play in you know the end of January, the beginning of February, when we're trying to make that push before the All-Star break. We need this guy to be, you know, on the court at least 75, 76 games. Now, maybe he needs rest sometimes, but we need this guy to be a guy who plays every night. This does not help his trade stuff. And Danny Ainge is not a guy who's going to sell low on Marcus Smart when he knows the value that he brings to the Boston Celtics 82 games out of the year when he's healthy, unfortunately. You are obviously a Marcus Smart fan. I mean, I'm a Celtics fan. (laughs) <laughs> Clearly. I mean, I, we're on the Celtics Live podcast. Clearly, I'm a Celtics fan. But still, I maintain that I don't think anybody on the Celtics right now has more than a 25% chance of being traded, if we're putting percentages on it. Okay, this is looking ahead, and I think this is something that we may have discussed a few times on this podcast or on previous podcasts and in our own internal discussions. What deal would you give Marcus Smart right now? <clears throat> um Ye- I want years and dollars. Yeah, I mean I, I'm not I I'm not familiar. I haven't been looking at the the current cap space situation with the Celtics. I mean obviously we have this Dis- disregard that. 
disregard it on face value i would say marcus smart is uh 15 for like 15 million a year four years so what is that 60 yeah that, that's okay. 60 four years yeah I, I think that's a reasonable price tag for, for marcus smart i would i would agree with that number exactly and i would throw in some sort of some incentives or something like like player if he shoot, no 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 but like uh i don't know so similar to how some deals are structured in the nfl like for example if he made the oh the kickers all defensive team yeah like so the all defensive yeah, team yeah. he gets an extra i don't know million dollars or something like that those so that if, i always forget if those exist you, you don't hear a yeah, lot about I think I think if I, I've heard of some players having these clauses in their contracts where if they make the all-star game, it happened with Paul with Paul George last season. Huh. He wasn't he wasn't voted to uh all NBA first team. Well that, that was because he in order to be eligible for like the, the crazy max. Oh, the, the super max. Yeah, it's like you had to be uh you know first it I was like the Kevin Durant rule. Like, you had to be, like, a star in order to even qualify for the Mega Max. Yeah. So that, that's why he but, wasn't eligible. But that, that wasn't a kicker. That was just because he wasn't eligible for the, the Max deal that only his home team can offer him. But I, w- I think these... You can do that in the NBA. I would have to double-check, but I, I... I think you're right. Feel because like, I feel like I remember yeah. hearing... Maybe it was, like, Patrick Beverly or something, or some clipper. Like, as long as they didn't take another three, they were above a threshold for what the percentage was to, to get their, their contract. And so they intentionally didn't take threes. Might have been Nick Young or something. Yeah. Somebody like that. But yeah, no, I, I think you may be right. I just never think about them as something that, that matters that much. I, I mostly just look at the paper value of like 15 for four or well, 60 for four. But yeah, that's, that's more what I care. Cause the kickers, I feel like, I mean, yeah, sure. I, yeah, I would, I would agree. I don't mind that. That's not a problem. I don't think that, cause I don't think that also hits cap space. I think, those like bonuses of sorts are, are just kind of to the side and they don't affect cap space. Yeah. To my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong on that, but okay. So 60 for four, what, what do you do with that? Do you think that that means that we can't resign him or I think Danny would like lower. I think Danny would prefer 10 or 12, but I, I don't think that's his value. I feel like if, and I really think that that's probably where his value is right now or like, I would say be in the 12 to 15 per year range. If Danny isn't willing to shell that out to him, I, I just, I don't see him resigning with us or I, well, I'm sorry if he's, if he's restricted, if another, if another team offers him anywhere in the 12 to 15 range, I, I, all things considered, I, I find it hard to believe that Danny would match that. You know, I Kentavious Caldwell Pope signed for 18. So there there will be teams that will spend more. And that, that, that's that's the that's why a lot of teams would prefer to not even bother with, with restricted free agency and just and do the extension for which the Celtics did not do. And I know that 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 was a a point of contention among fans who obviously love Marcus Smart and would rather just lock him down, but I think that this is going to be a battle for money. I think Marcus Smart would rather stay in Boston than go anywhere else. I think that he may take a hometown discount. I think that's reasonable. But if he's offered the KCP deal, $18 for one year, you know, to, to go to LA or to go to, you know, a team that could reasonably you know, afford to, to swing that. And there are lots of teams with cap space and teams that would like a, a playmaker like like Marcus Smart and then just hope that he, they can develop a shooting. But, you know, I I just don't know who's going to be willing to bargain that. If it's out there, then yeah, maybe maybe we can't resign Marcus Smart. I don't, I don't think that means we let him walk or I don't think that means that we have to trade him though. You know, because I, I think there's, there's a good chance that maybe he takes a hometown discount of sorts and that maybe we can get him for 10 or 12. And that that might fit into our cap. Again, I'm not looking at our cap space right now, so I'm not familiar with the exact situation of what we may or may not be able to offer 
heading into July. But I, I'd rather bargain that. And, you know, with the shooting videos that I've seen of Gordon Hayward right now and all the stuff that's been going on with, with those conversations, the chance that he might return and the fact that we were within one with seven seconds left against Golden State last night, we're the only team that had a winning record against Golden State going into last night's game since Steve Kerr has been head coach. I would rather play with Marcus Smart on this team and take a chance at a title this year then trade him for some people and then mess with the chemistry of what this team has as the best team in the East. So, that, so that's my Marcus, Marcus Smart is in a is in an interesting well, he's an interesting case. Because he's when he came in, the Celtics weren't great and they weren't horrible. That was the year he came in the year that Rondo was traded. Um wasn't that his second and year? Isaiah came. I thought, that was, I thought that was a smart second year. No, I thought, I'm pretty sure that was his first because he was drafted in 2014. Uh, okay, well, regardless, continue. I'll, I'll look at that, but continue. Yeah, no, he was, he was drafted in 2014, so that was the same year. So he's been through good and bad Celtics teams. Or not, not good and bad. He's, he's been part of more good Celtics teams, and he has been part of bad. But he's seen the team evolve from this eh, even if they do make the playoffs they're going to be out in the first round to oh they're going to make the playoffs I wonder how far they're going to get to they're definitely making the playoffs and they're probably a lock for the conference finals if I'm him I don't know how I walk away from that and and for that like so I agree with your hometown discount. So then why trade him? Belief. That I, I, I think he probably would because I think he sees that this team is obviously on the up. So then why trade him? I mean, and, this is a team that's built, and that's what the Ringer piece was about, that curse us. This is a team that's built for both the now and the future. Of You know, we've got really, really young star players that are under control for a while. And then we've got, you know, star players that are under control for a while, but are aging. So, like, we got we got a young team that is built for the future. We got the, one of the youngest average ages in the NBA right now, and we're the best team in the East. There's no reason to trade Marcus Smart. It, it, I guess what this conversation is about, right? Why then? Why trade him if you think that this is possible for this hometown discount? I don't know. I don't know what internal discussions they've had. I don't know if. Marcus has indicated that, you know, if the season goes a particular direction, if he will consider re-signing for a hometown discount or what the case is, we have no idea. But we'll find out soon enough. I don't know. I, I, I kind of regret putting this trade speculation yeah. in the yeah, air. Yeah, I jumped on that, man. I was, I was not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because now in in retrospect, I'm like, it's like so what, you know, these things happen. I'm sure it. This isn't the first time that this has happened with an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie Irving, right? And that that's in the news too. Kyrie Irving requested a trade, and this is obviously an entirely different situation. But like, that actually does make me think about it because you had. Um, this past summer, Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland. And, you know, that that was huge, right? Because how often does a star player ask for a trade? I mean, outside of, like, Eric Bledsoe and stuff. But, you know, they had control over Kyrie Irving, the Cavaliers. So why trade him? You know, I mean, that's that's kind of a similar question of, like, why trade Kyrie Irving when... You know, they were clearly contending for a title year in Europe, like the Celtics are now. And different situation, because Marcus Smart is not nearly as impactful as Kyrie Irving as far as an offensive threat goes. But like, let's, let's put that value in a conversation and say that the Cavs were looking at this and they, they were asked for a trade. Why, why did they acquiesce that, that request? I have no idea. Well, so did you see this past week that... I think Cleveland.com wrote that he threatened that he had to have minor knee surgery and would sit out this season if he wasn't traded. 
So if that is true, <laughs> there Kyrie had to know something. What do you mean? In terms of like what was going on in the in the Cleveland locker room and what was going to happen going forward. Because like you said, it's it's weird to see someone of Kyrie's stature in the NBA to request a trade. And from a winning team. And request a trade from a team that has LeBron James on it. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the thing that it, that's the weirdest because I like Demarcus Cousins, right, was asking for trades all the time, or at least like, you know, we hear we heard about stuff like that. But that was a that was a losing team, a team that was not doing well. Exactly. But you know, so, to, to go from a championship contending team, a team that had been in the finals for the three years that he had been there for the previous three years, yeah. it, that that's what's strange. So that's why I'm saying Kyrie had to know something. He had to know that LeBron was probably gone after this season, or maybe he had to reason to believe that Kyrie was gone after this season. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall with like Kevin Love starting to be unhappy. Although I don't know if this, if all of these issues with Kevin Love are rising because Isaiah is there now, or Dude, if there were, it's just a mess right now. It just sounds awful. Everything's happening in Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, you know, obviously some of that is because of the whole drama with Isaiah Thomas. But regardless, I do wonder if Kyrie kind of saw the dysfunction starting to come in, come into play. So, do you and think start, reasonable starting to affect Cleveland's game? Do you think it's reasonable to then? Threaten surgery to get yourself out of there? I mean, Cleveland wasn't going to trade him just because. I mean, I I guess. I mean, they did trade him. I I don't know if he denies that this surgery threat was even a thing. But, like, still, it's kind of a crummy thing to do. To say, like, oh, you're not going to trade me? Well, I'll just sit out next season after this minor knee surgery that I have to get, by the way. And then he doesn't get knee surgery, at least that we know of, and is dominating for the Celtics. So, like, it's a pretty crummy thing to do, pretty low thing to do. No, yeah, I agree. But I, I think there's a lot, a lot more to this story, and I'm surprised that more wasn't made of it. Like, this was the hot story for a day. And it seems like everyone kind of forgot. Well, I don't know how legitimate it is. I mean, I. So again, Kyrie denies this threat. And it was, it was picked up by a single writer on Cleveland.com, right? So yeah. I, I don't know how valid the, the story is. And I don't know if anybody else has been able to confirm anything necessarily. So I, I think that's why it hasn't picked up a lot of traction. But I'm sure reporters are asking about it to see what's going on. I don't know if anybody's going to talk about it. I mean, like I said, Kyrie's denied it. But I, I'm sure... How did the coaches work for the All-Star game? Do you know? In terms of, like, in terms of what? Is it still going to be the, the, like, winningest coach in the co- I guess Brad Stevens yeah. can't be it again, and it won't be Yeah, Kyron so that's Lowe. what it is. Yeah, I, so I was, the winningest coach in each conference, and you can't have the same coach um, coach back-to-back years. I was wondering if that was how it was going to happen again, because, you know, I, I, and for a second I forgot that the Raptors are two and not the Cavs, so I was wondering if like it'd be Lou and and Kyrie back in the same locker room, kind of. And I was yeah. hoping for some some fireworks of sorts coming out of that, but then I realized that's not the case. But that would be fun. that would that, be that'd something. Be, that'd bring out some fun some fun stuff. I'm suddenly hoping for the Cavs to pick it up and, and surge past the Raptors before All Star <laughs> to see if we can get Tyron Lou as the coach of Kyrie again. But I think the Cavs have to be at least two or three games behind or I'm sorry Cleveland has to be at least two or ga- two or three games behind Toronto. Yeah, at at the point of this recording they're four games back on the Raptors. Yeah, then that, that's uh I don't know. So, With the way that things are going right now, I I'd be surprised if they snuck into that two spot. Yeah, no, and I actually have a bet riding on the uh on the Cavs not being one or two. I I've, I if uh the Cavs are Three seed or lower, I get a six pack of beer from my Cavalier friend. Yeah, so mm. got something. I've got some vested interest in the Raptors or the Wizards doing well. 
So, yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm like really rooting for like teams that I really shouldn't be, but nonetheless. Uh, so, All-Stars, right? Kyrie's going to play with LeBron after LeBron picked him to be on his team. There was a cool draft, a cool new draft thing where the star players picked their players and it wasn't televised for whatever reason. What are your thoughts you on know, Kyrie and LeBron back on the same, wearing the same jerseys? So one thing I will say, and I think some players echoed this sentiment, I think probably even LeBron, the draft should have been televised. I mean, I don't know how much it matters whether someone was the first or the last pick, honestly. I mean, to that player, maybe they'll feel some type of way. But I got to be honest, looking at someone like, I don't know, like Al Horford, he really doesn't strike me as the type of person that would care if he was first, middle of the pack, or last. Yeah. He just wants to, he's just happy that he got the nod Period. Well, it's funny because a, so, a lot of people are joking about it. Like, Kevin Love was asked, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I was definitely picked last. And then Russell Westbrook, for some reason, thought he was last and then put up, like, 45 points and, like, 10 rebounds. And so- he, like, put up a triple-double, like, the next game. I think it was that night, actually. Yeah, yeah he was upset because he thought he was last. But, uh, well, he then found out that the selections were just listed in alphabetical order. Yeah. So he was last. Uh, um. But the, this new format is kind of cool. It, I, at first, it was kind of confusing to me. I didn't know. because I So you have your starters, and then you have your backups. But I had no idea. I, I was just kind of confused about the whole thing. And then I read an explanation about it. Yeah. Um, so like this format is, I like it. How do you feel do. about Kyrie on LeBron's team? I mean... I really don't think that their relationship is as damaged as people are saying. I, I think people if want that, it to if, be. if it, I think I, I, I don't think it's as damaged as people want it to be. I think people want this to be like a, a really fractured relationship, and we're going to see, you know, some serious you know, jabs being thrown, or like suddenly Kyrie's not going to pass it to him or something. I think that's what people want to see. But I think you're right. I don't think it's nearly as damaged as, as that. Yeah, I think people want this LeBron Kyrie thing to play out similar to the Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I think even that may have been overblown slightly. Well, I mean, Russell Russell Westbrook is is the way that he is. Yeah. Like like he he is he is what he is. Yeah. So <laughs> The the attitude that he was giving to Kevin Durant allegedly, I think he gives it to everyone that's not in his locker room. I know there, there is definitely some animosity between Russell Westbrook, at least uh, maybe very one-sided. Like I I believe that maybe Kevin Durant's moved on from that or just doesn't care. But Russ is definitely like he, like the Instagrams of like the cupcakes and stuff, like just all the random things that he's doing to like low key throw jabs at Kevin Durant. That, that absolutely exists. That, that animosity is real, but I think it's because of the personality of Russell Westbrook. Not because of yeah. necessarily the entire situation of him leaving, but I I I think that's the players and, and the guys themselves, which I don't think that exists. I think both I think LeBron is a bigger person than that, and I I, I mean I don't know about Kyrie, but because he's still young, he's like twenty six years old, twenty five years old. So you know I, I I don't know how he's feeling about it, but I, I don't think that there's the the hatred that people want to exist. Yeah, I don't I don't think that there is. So all of that said, that team is pretty good. Uh, hey. if I'm remembering correctly, it's LeBron, Kyrie, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, so that that changed to Paul George. Paul George, yeah. Um, Anthony Davis. Oh Anthony Davis and who's the It's another western guy. I think it's Clay Thompson. Both teams are stacked. So <laughs> Good luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited for the game. Al Horford is going to be playing. I think the uh, the Celtics are one of like five teams that are sending two players. Maybe I think it might be less, actually. Cleveland's got two. Washington's got two. I mean, with Paul George being added, then uh, the Thunder have two also, because Russ. 
Golden State obviously has two. So yeah, there's only a handful of teams that have multiple All-Stars. And then also, the Celtics are the only team that are sending two players to both competitions. So the uh, the Rising Stars Challenge as well, because Jalen and Jason are going to be there also, which is going to be cool. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm probably more excited for that than I am about the All-Star Really? Game. And I say, I say that because we already know who the All-Stars are in this league. Yeah. What I like, though, is watching this next, like this latest crop of potential All-Stars. And we're going to see them in this Rising Stars Challenge, which just, just in case you guys don't know, is limited to players that are in their first two years in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because shouldn't technically uh, Joel Embiid be eligible for that or something? <laughs> With the way that all, yeah. the way that stupid... <laughs> How he qualifies as a rookie last year. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, players in their first two years in the league. Um, so, there's going to be a lot of talent there. Like you just said, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both going to be participating in this game. Well, let me walk you, let me walk you through team, team US. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, John Collins, Chris Dunn, Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith, Jason Tatum. Who wins? Team World Team. Wait, why team is US. why is Chris Dunn on that team? He's actually um, having a pretty solid year. Can you repeat the the teams to me? <laughs> Embiid, Saric, Simmons, Bogdanovich, Dylan Brooks, Buddy Heald, Laurie Markkinen, Jamal Murray, Frank Nitalinka, and Domantas Sabonis is Team World. Team US. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, John Collins, Chris Dunn, Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith Jr., and Jason Tatum. Oh, that's so tough. And I'm only saying that because Dennis Smith Jr. is on Team that's US. That's what you need to be in Team US. You don't, Donovan Mitchell is a stud, man. Dude's been nasty. And then you obviously, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are sick. Malcolm Brogdon was rookie of the year last year. Kyle Kuzma, I think, is the headliner of those of those Lakers that are coming in. Like the worst player know. on that team is Chris Dunn, if, and by far, oh, I, I don't know. That's that's tough. That's going to be a. Great I know. Game. I'm, I'm mostly rooting for the Celtics. Well, so I'm going Team US, but I'm, I'm so excited about this. It's actually going to be such a sweet All Star Week. I'm like really psyched. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I'm leaning towards Team The starting World. lineup of Team World is going to be pretty nasty. Their bench, their bench yeah. is going to fall off. The bench of World. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. But that's like J- point. Embiid and Simmons and maybe Laurie Markin in at the four. Buddy Heald at the two. Jamal Murray. Yeah, this is just a nasty. Yeah, Team World, I don't know. This is going to be a good game. I'm excited. Yeah. Either way, I, I think we're in for a good game regardless. Uh, but yeah, that I, I like those lineups. I really do. But you see what I mean? Like, it's I think it's it's easy to get wrapped up in in the All Star festivities and and just be interested in the All Star game itself. But there's so many good things during All Star weekend. You have the three point contest. You have the skills competition. And you have this Rising Stars challenge. I think there's the what what the celebrity game, and I might be missing I one really, thing. Oh, the yeah, dunk competition. I, but you know what? Everyone talks about. I, I do not like the skills competition. It's just like a way to involve players who aren't like they're just like middling players, like just like whatever. Let's just not care. I don't know. I I, I like it. I think it's fun. I, I I'm a big fan of anything that involves like a timer. As yeah. simple and basic yeah. as that sounds. But I, don't know, I think it's fun. Especially when there are like two players that are equally as fast yeah. as one another. And it's just like coming down to the, like the last turn. And the, uh, Man, let me be. Yeah, I, like I, it. I, I wasn't fun. trying to call you. I don't know. I was just saying that I personally don't like it that much. <laughs> it's just nothing, nothing that really matters to me that much. I, that, yeah, that, but I think this will be one of the best All-Star Weekends in quite some Do you time, think that the, the change to the format makes it more competitive? It like the actual All Star yeah. All Star game. Um. So I don't know if anything will make it. So 
how do I say this? I don't think it's going to be like legitimately competitive outside of like the last five minutes of the game, unless there's incentive attached to winning the game. Yeah. What, what, what would you so do? I'm not saying that 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 the NBA should adopt this like what the what the MLB does where but they stopped doing that this year or this past season if I'm not mistaken but they had the winner of the All-Star game have home field advantage in the World Series. Yeah. So I don't think you have to go that far. Well, the thing the thing with the MLB All-Star game was that even though that was on the line players still didn't care that much. You know? Because I mean it, because the yeah. thing is like yeah, you're playing for your league in baseball, but you know, you don't like only like a handful of those guys are actually going to be playing in the World Series. Some of those guys aren't even on teams that are going to play in the playoffs. So like to have to like require all those guys to feel like they need to care when, you know, they should be on a break during the All-Star break. It's it's just tough to actually incentivize guys to like put their bodies on the line, which Less so with baseball, more so with basketball, because the chance of injury is legit when you're playing against like the best defenders, and like you're really trying to like really push yourself to outperform the best players in the NBA. So like that that's that's a risk. I think what what I would like to see that I think would be fun is like maybe five ten million dollars are on the line, and the winner gets to decide what charity that goes to or something. Because that that's like that both idea. like really. It's it's a you know it, it's really great for the game. The players have like something to fight for, literally, because like these are these are like charities that they care about. They're like oh, I really you know because a lot of them have causes they're attached to and stuff. And it would be just like a great community thing, and it it would add to competition. And I don't think any guy would suddenly decide to not care when that's on the line. <laughs> Because they'd be just a jerk if they're like not playing hard when like you know they could donate a couple million dollars to whatever charity they want. So I would, I would like that. I think that'd be I, a fun thing. And, and the money comes from the NBA, so it doesn't come from their pockets. I do like that idea. I think that's great. Uh, at the same time, I never, I never saw the All Star Game as this as a competition. I saw it more as like a. I don't know, as a, hey, like, the best players in the NBA are on the same court at the same time, playing with one another. Like, it's fun, you know, they're throwing alley-oops to one another, and they're dabbing each other up, and, like, it's fun, and, like, a lot of these all-stars are really close friends, so it's it's nice to see them coexist on the same court at the same time. Yeah, I think that the concern is so, that, like, 200 points were put up by the Western Conference last year. Like, yeah, it was like yeah. Wait, no, it was just stupid. No, I, th- didn't they just miss the two hundred point mark? I think they got to like a hundred and ninety. Probably, something. I, I don't think two hundred itself was actually put up, but like close to it, and it's just been. So I think one of the funny stories coming out of that was that I don't think any of the like the point the 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 scorekeeping screens go yeah, up do. to two hundred. <laughs> no, do. I don't think that they do. It, it's a number thing. They, they can do it if they want to. Come on. And, and most of them are digital. Look we're not up. talking about like when they up. used to be like bulbs. Like if, yeah, if we're talking like the 1990s, maybe. We're, like everything's digital now. They can, they can put up whatever they want. I need you to look it no. up. I swear no. it's not fake news. I swear I saw this story. Where the, you can look up a tweet. We need to move on. We, <laughs> you, know, you can tweet about it with the hashtag CLPod. If our viewers or listeners care, then they can check it out. But we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. We, and I talked about it at the beginning, the ringer curse hit us and it hit us hard. We lost four games straight and went one and three last week. If you include the magic game, lost to the magic, lost to the Lakers, a narrow win against the Clippers. And then you know, the, the almost a very good game against the, the Warriors on Saturday night, but one in three week is is not a fun fun line to look at. What do you think needs to change going ahead for the Celtics to kind of reverse that and, and continue on and kind of revamp what we got going on? Because again, we've only got a one and a half game lead on the Raptors now for the the top spot, top spot in the East. So I think 
I, I don't think it was anything spectacular. I think they're just a little bit tired. How? And we see... I mean, how? They, mean they, how? Had a week, they had their own all-star break in the beginning of January. They had an entire week surrounding one game. And then came back and then immediately lost four straight. It's... it's how how are they tired? They they had just the, the longest break in in like active NBA history. That isn't the All Star break. Just because they had so it was yeah so four games before four games after so we'll call it eight days. Just because they had eight days off doesn't mean that the bumps and bruises and the minor sprains or whatever that they ha- that some of these players may have had that have gone unreported. That doesn't mean that all of these things have healed. I mean, it's a long season, and I'm not an NBA player. I'm not. Really? Not even close to it. But I can, I can assume that as the, the, the season, being as long as it is, is both a physical and a mental thing. I'm sure there's a lot of mental fatigue before the All-Star break, and these are all players looking at players like Jason Tatum, uh, even Jalen Brown, uh, who else? Uh, Semi Ojale, um, Daniel Tice, so on and so forth. These are all players that aren't used to playing this 82-game season. And I include I include Jalen Brown in that list because he's only a year removed from Question. From There's been conversations about Jason Tatum hitting the rookie wall. Thoughts? Yes or no, rookie wall. Does it exist? I don't know if he hit the rookie wall. I think he had a As part of it. And yeah, so he's. I think he's just more preoccupied, understandably so, and I totally 100% support him. Um, he's more focused on his kid, and, like, you know, he's playing basketball, but he has a kid, or he just had his first kid, and the kid is a, a basically a kid. What do you mean basically so a kid? So there's a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> He's like oh, 19 Jason Tatum, years old. I thought you were saying the kid is basically a kid. I was like, what, what, you, what is this supposed to mean? Child. Like, <laughs> no, Jason Tatum is like 19 yeah, okay, years old. Okay. So I can I can imagine that he's he's bearing this enormous weight on his shoulders now. He's an NBA player in his first season with, I would say, a lot of expectations placed on him. Not by oh, yeah. us or by the, by the Celtics organization, but by yeah. everybody else. And he's responsible for this child now. And he's I will say to those people who are saying the rookie wall is, is the cause for his drop. I don't, I, I wouldn't say it's his kid. I think that, I mean, maybe, yeah, he's probably a little more tired for sure, but he, uh, he dislocated his finger. Right. And up until that point, he was actually one of the best three point shooters in the league. Since that point, he's dropped off significantly. So I think that hand injury that he, I don't think he's missed a game as a result of it. But either way, since that hand injury, he has been struggling a lot more with his shot and, and his ability to score. But I, I think that's that's the that's the main I mean, issue for me. And I, 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 would, I wouldn't say it's a rookie yeah, wall. I would agree. Generally, he's just really struggling with, with that, that hand injury. And so once he comes back, once he's able to recover from that, so I think the all-star break will be huge. Um, or maybe some, some rest time just during the course of the season, I'm not sure. But a chance for that to recover will make a, a big difference. One thing I will also add, and I think I sort of hinted at this before, had he still been at Duke, his seat in terms of games played right now, his season would have been over. Because in, in college basketball, like 31 games played, regular season. Yeah, something like a maybe yeah, maybe a few more. So his season would have been over a while ago. Yeah. I mean he he'd have finished like the championship by now. Yeah. Assuming yeah. they went all the way. Even if they didn't it, qualify it, it, for in the terms of, in terms of game. In terms of games, yeah, that that'd be they would have played a championship by now, had many games in addition to that. So, coming up this week, we got Denver, New York, Atlanta coming up this week. Should be an easy schedule on paper. Record predictions, what do you got? I'm going to say this is my favorite part of like this is, this is every podcast. <laughs> you got your glass ball, you know, you <laughs> grab your tarot cards. Yeah, all right. Let's go. What do we got? I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'm going to say that Denver is going to be a hard-fought win, 
it's at Denver, and Denver has the home court advantage that everyone talks about. Yeah. Right? Because, like, Mile High City and stuff, the air pressure is, like, so much thinner up there. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say that's a hard-fought win because, okay. I mean, Denver is just one of those teams that we play, I think, once a year. Yeah. I, like I, I, I just I – don't, I don't ever remember – Boston playing Denver. I mean, I know they play there once a year for sure, and I'm pretty sure we play them twice a year. But I, they're just such a random team. I don't. I don't know. Um, There's never any like notable notable stuff coming out of the Denver Celtics matchup tilt. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's it's never like a notable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think that's a hard fought win. The Nick game, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we dropped it. And Atlanta, I I hope to God it is a win. So you're but, a, you're a fuzzy one and a half. What? You're a fuzzy one and a half. You're like yeah, one and a half. Yeah. But you're like between. I I mean I I can see us easily going two and one with that with that one loss either coming to I would say I would probably say Denver or New York. But yeah. I think if we play all our cards right and like we show up to all of those games and. You know, we're going to be without Marcus Smart for all three of those. I think if we show up and we do what we have to do, I don't see how we win all of those games by at least 10 points because our defense is as good as it is. And outside of Denver, I don't think any of these teams are exactly scoring juggernauts. So. No, and Marcus Smart also, the only game that will be really missing Marcus Smart in terms of like you know who he needs to defend is Denver and like Jamal Murray. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's there's not, like, a, a serious threat with the Knicks or Atlanta as far as the, the one or two spot goes. So I'm not, I'm not going to, like, worry about Marcus Smart missing for those three games, but we should go 3-0. Denver, I think we drop, and then I think we, we're back home and we, uh, you know, start to get comfortable again, get acclimated again, and, you know, surge into the all-star break. Yeah. Uh, yeah two wins against the Knicks and then the Hawks and then head into the following week but we'll have all that coverage on the Celtics Life podcast which you should check out CelticsLife.com where we have all of our awesome stories on everything that happens in Boston Celtics world and uh, you can also get cool stuff on that website with a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store and also tickets that's in the top right part of the website you can also find the podcast on blog talk radio iTunes Stitcher most podcast apps Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us five stars. And that helps us be seen by other basketball podcast listeners. It really helps us out as podcast creators or whatever we call ourselves. So if you don't like something or you have a suggestion, we'd really appreciate your feedback. Let us know on the articles that we post with this podcast or on Twitter with our hashtag CLPod. We want to bring you guys the coverage that you guys want just the way you like it, Luis. Anything you want to add before you take off? I'm definitely going to look up that score, the, the score clock, or I'm not the yeah. score clock, the, the score yeah, thing. Apparently, you can't break 200 on the on the scoring board. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I swear, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hashtag it. Yeah, you better way. tag me or, or at me because I'm really curious about this. Kind of, uh, slightly. Wait, you look out for it because it'll it's coming. <laughs> you be ready. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> later, y'all. <laughs>